Well, we're going to hop right in this thing, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and say what I got to say, and I'm going to go ahead and sit down. Amen. Uh, I am very excited for this word. Um, I, I was literally, when I was uh, studying and, you know, trying to put it together, I had a hard time composing myself because in the season that I'm in right now in my life, I'm seeing a lot of the principles in the Bible that I'm applying to my life actually work. I'm seeing it actually manifest in my life. And so that's the most exciting part about being a Christian, about being a believer, is to see what you read in, in a book that was written thousands, thousands of years ago and to see it actually come to pass. And so I'm very, very, very excited about what the Lord has to share. Uh, if you will pull up uh, the title of this message today. So the title of this message is Moving On to Better Things. Everybody say, Moving On to Better Things. Is there anybody in here that would like better things in their life? Is there anybody in here that would say, my life could be a little bit better? I don't know. We might have some billionaires in the house or some zillionaires in the house or some multimillionaires. But, but, but how many of us say that we, things could be a little bit better in my life, right? Yeah. I know it could be better in my life. And so we're moving on to better things. Let's go to our theme scripture. Uh, our theme scripture is Hebrews 6, 9 through 12. Hebrews 6, 9 through 12. And if you got a Bible, if you got a phone, a Bible app on your phone, I would advise you to pull it out right now because you're going to want to see what we're talking about today. Hebrews 9 or 6, 9 through 12. And brother, if you could pull that up in the uh, NLT, NLT version. Ah, man, this is, this is, this is, I, I love the word of God and I love this particular passage that we're going to read today. <laughs> it reads, dear friends, even though we're talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things. Everybody say better things. Everybody say better things. Dear friends, even though we are talking like this, we really don't believe that it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. Everybody say with salvation. Now, a lot of times uh, in the body of Christ, most people stop at salvation. They believe that when I give my life to Christ or when I, you know, that time that I went to church camp, many, many times as teenagers we go to church camp maybe once in our life and then, you know, the, <laughs> the, the pastor or the preacher, the, the speaker get up with an acoustic guitar and they, they sing in the worship song and then they say, if anybody wants to come down and receive Jesus Christ in your heart, I want you to come down here and we're going to pray a prayer, all right, prayer of salvation. And many people, when they talk about, you know, their Christian experience, that's, that's one of their experiences that they have. Uh, another experience would be just in a regular church service. The pastor gives an altar call, and you had one moment of conviction where you actually felt bad about the stuff you did. And you say, all right, I'm going to give this Jesus thing a try. And you go down, and you see if my life is going to get better because I just gave my life to Jesus and uh, we're we, we going to try them out. But here in the word it says, we are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. And I want to make it very plain to everyone in here today, just because you're saved and just because you gave your life to Christ does not automatically mean 
that you will experience the better things that God has for you. Notice in the scripture, it says things that come with salvation. So there's extra things. There are things beyond salvation or the point that you give your life to Christ that can happen for you. Okay? So there, there are things that can accompany your salvation. It says, for God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Now, let's just go back. He said that there are better things that accompany salvation. Yes, everybody reading that? Yeah. He said there are better things that accompany salvation. But look at the next line. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how, and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. So what does that mean? What does that mean, Brother Rondi? Well, I'm going to tell you that means that there is a prerequisite to experience better things in life. There's not, it's not just I believe in God, I think he's up there, I toss up a prayer every now and again, and we'll see what happens. No, you, there are actually some things that you got to do to experience better things in God. He says that uh, he will not forget, God will not forget how hard you work for him. See, that's a prerequisite. How hard do we actually work for the kingdom of God? Are we actually doing what he called us to do, what he created us to do? Are we actually uh, 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 doing uh, or heeding to his instruction, obeying what he's telling us to do? See, that's hard work in the kingdom. See, as Christians, we've been convinced that all we got to do is come, as Pastor says many times, come sit down and, and put our fuzzy tuzzy in, in, in the pew or in the seat, and we're good. That's our obligation to God. No, it says right here, if you want better things, there are things that accompany that, and in order to experience that, uh, you have to uh, work hard for him in the kingdom. Everybody say amen. It says, he will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you've shown your love to him. Y'all, now, pay, please pay attention to this. How do we, how do we really show our love? Is it just singing, how great is our God? Sing with me, how great. Is that how we show our love? Is that just one way that we show our love? I don't know. This scripture says right here, it implies, and how you have shown your love to God, to him, by caring for for other believers. So essentially what this scripture is saying is that how you show that you love God is by caring for other people. And I guarantee you, if we took a poll in here nine times out of ten, a lot of us would be disqualified on that end right there. Because we all, the only thing that's on our mind 99.9.9999% of the times is ourselves. Think about it. Think about how often you think about yourself every day. You wake up in the morning, oh, I'm tired. Or, oh, I got so much energy. Then you go, you say, man, I'm hungry. I want to eat. Then you eat something. Then you go, man, I got to go to work. I don't feel like going to work. I'm tired. Or you one of those chipper people, oh, I got to go to work. I'm excited. It's going to be a great day. Yeah? Go to work and depending on how your day goes, you know, eh, it's a good day, eh, it's an okay day, eh, it's a bad day. I used to love when my uh, parents used to ask me every day after I came home from school, how was your day? It was the same answer every time, eh, it's okay. It's like, just okay, eh, yeah, 
It's okay. I don't know what I was expecting to happen every day, but that was my answer. Yeah, that's okay. All right. You evaluate your day. Then throughout your day, you're constantly analyzing how other people make you feel. Every day. That's literally the whole day. You walking down, you, "Ah, she didn't say hi to me this morning. I'm going to take note of that. Next time she don't say hi to me, I'm going to tell her what I really think about her. Or if you do, what's up, what's up? You kind of said that strong. You kind of aggressive, really. Better not be no problems or nothing. You, you want, you, he can have some problems. He can come over here. Yeah. How, how, how other people make us feel all day, every day. Huh? But Jesus said, or, or God says in his word right here, is that, you show your love to him by caring for other believers or other people. As you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. Everybody say, our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. Y'all. Let me tell you something. God loves people. God loves people. That person at your job that keep getting on your nerves, God loves them. That person that you was in a bad relationship with and, 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 and all that bad stuff was going on, God loves them. That, 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 that parent that didn't uh, fulfill all their promises to you, and treated you bad when you were young, when you were a child, God loves them. The people that's in the criminal justice system right now for rape and abuse and drugs and all that stuff, God loves them. Oftentimes, we've taken on the world's mentality that because somebody did something, they are what they did. But God loves people. He cares for people. So it only makes sense, as John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It only makes sense that that God that loves the whole world would say to us, the way that you show me that you love me is by showing your love to others. See, if we have Jesus, we also have his capability to love. If we have Jesus in our heart, we have his same compassion, his same love, his same care that he had for people. Well, what did Jesus do while he was on earth? Well, let's see. For three years, he laid hands, healed the sick. He he, he raised people from the dead. He gave people words that would help them of of, of upliftment and, and encouragement. Come on, somebody. Right? He also challenged people. Right? He didn't let people around him get comfortable where they were. He helped people progress and move along. That's what Jesus did. And so in the scripture, it's saying that God, the way that we show God that we love him is by caring for other people. So it says, our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will (laughs) come true. Lord have mercy. In order to make certain that what you hope for will 
come true. Y'all, love. And I, I promise you, this wasn't even in my message, but I feel like the Holy Spirit is moving me in a direction. Listen to me. Love is the key. Love is the key. You cannot go nowhere in God with bitterness and hatred in your heart. Towards anybody, I don't care what they did, it doesn't matter. You gotta let it go. And you got to love people. Those things that we hope for, see a lot of times we hope for these great things. We hope for things to happen to us. We hope for life to just give us a million dollars. We hope for life just to, you know, not make our lives hard. We hope for things just to happen. But y'all, I guarantee you things are not going to happen for you. The things that you hope for, that you hope to happen in your life, is not going to happen if you're not actively loving people. I cannot tell you how many times throughout the week I have to repent, go back to God and say, God, I repent for how I said that to that person. Come on, somebody. I repent for how I looked at that person of what I thought. How many of us actually repent for what we think about another person? Yeah, see, that's that deeper work. That's what you actually think, not what you say, not the fake smile you put on your face in front of people, but what you actually think. See, I, I repent. I try to make sure my heart is right concerning that because I know if I don't love people, that's going to hinder me from the better things that God has for me. It's a love walk, y'all. Everybody say it's the love walk. You got to walk in love. So after it gives all those prerequisites, you know, got to love God, got to love other people. Yeah, yeah. After it gives all those prerequisites, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent, it says. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Y'all, it starts with love. It starts with love. There's a lot of people in here never don't really know what love is. Never really actually felt what true love was. Love always felt like it had strings attached for some people in here. It felt like if I have to do something in order to receive love. But y'all, God loves us freely. And so since he loves us freely, we should be able to give that to other people. We should be able to love people freely whether they treat us good or bad it starts with love you know i heard uh i heard a minister say this and this is uh while i'm thinking about it this is for the singles in here you know (laughs) people talk about how much they want a, a significant other or they want somebody to love them and you know be with be by their side and build with them It's like our generation's, like, favorite word. I just want somebody I can build with. I just want to build with somebody. Yeah, we always looking for somebody we want to build with or something like that. But he said, said, okay, so, like, let's let's actually think about you, though. Would you want to date you? Like, you know you, like, for real. Would you really want to date and marry you? The way you are and how you are. When your, your feet be stinking after you take your feet out the shoes, would you really want that other person? Right? I know I wouldn't. I know I don't, I don't want no woman with no stinky feet. Everybody say amen. Yeah, I don't want that. So, but 
actually take into account, do I want somebody that is just like me? Would I want somebody, if, if I was the other sex, would I date or marry me? Would I love me? Well, the thing is, is that if you don't love you and how you are and how God made you to be, then why are you expecting for somebody else to do your job? You can't do that. It's not going to work. That's why nine times out of ten, when we're talking about people that get married, when we talk about people getting in relationships, right, off, off of love, it never really lasts. And the reason why it don't last is because the relationship was not built on the foundation of self-love and self-respect through Jesus' eyes. A lot of us don't understand how Jesus loves us. And because we don't understand how Jesus loves us, we don't correctly understand how to love us. Y'all, the only way that you're going to correctly love yourself is, it, is, is to get the revelation of how Jesus loves you. That is the only way. You got to have that revelation for yourself. So love is important. That is the key to getting better things. It's the foundation, actually. All right, so let's go on to the recipe. So everybody in here said they wanted better things, yes? Everybody said they wanted better things, yes, yes. They want better things in life. Okay, fair enough. Let's go over to the next slide. Let's look at the recipe for better things. The recipe for better things. Go back. Go back to the, uh, to the last one, and you can pause it on that. Yeah. Stop reliving your past. Everybody say, stop reliving your past. If you have your Bible, please turn over to Exodus 14 and 9. Y'all, the number one thing, the number one hindrance to better things is, or getting better things, is to stop reliving what you used to be, what you used to do, and the people you was around when you did it, and who did it to you. You got to drop that. Like, you can't move on in life if you don't let that go. And so many of us, all the time, because people think, and, you know, in their minds... All the time, wherever they go, they're constantly thinking about their past. I know it because I'm a human being, and I have the same temptation. Every day I think about what I used to do and who I used to be and who I used to do it with and where we was when we did it and all that stuff and who did what to me and all of that, right? Constantly. You ever just be sitting by somebody and he's talking and he's talking talking? And then all of a sudden, they just stop talking. And you like, what you thinking about? What's, what's on your mind? Nine times out of ten, they think about something that either happened to them before, like in the past, or something that just happened. A lot of our brain energy is concerned with the past. How we felt in the past. Right. You got to stop reliving your past. Exodus 14, 9. And we can read that in the King James, Exodus 14.9. Turn over there with me. Sister Landria, she uh, hit on some of those scriptures, as I said before, this morning. <laughs> so this is God's people. This is the Israelites. These are his 
people that just came out of Egypt. They was out of slavery. God delivered them from slavery. He used Moses to lead them out of Egypt. And so now they are uh, leaving. They're running away from Pharaoh and his army. So all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses, chariots, and charioteers were used in the chase, the chase to chase uh, the Israelites. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near, I don't know that word, across from Baal Safon. Okay, next scripture. As Pharaoh and his army approached, the people of Israel could see them in the distance, marching toward them. The people began to panic and they cried out to the Lord for help. Go to the next verse. Then they turned against Moses and, and complained. Sister Laundry hit on that this morning, complaining. Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Why did you make us leave? Everybody say, relive in the past. So as soon as trouble arrives, here they go. Here they go. You should have just left us where we was. Left us in slavery. These people are asking to go back to be slaves. That's how uh, entrapping the thought of reliving your past is. Some of us have, God has brought us out of the worst situations. But as soon as we come up against something, as soon as we come up against a tough obstacle in our life, there we go thinking about what he brought us out of. If I could just go back. What's a uh, pastor's name for, for the guy that always comes back? Leroy. Oh, if I could just go back to Leroy. He used to beat me every now and again, but I know he, he gave me love for most of the days. So, yeah, looking for some comfort in a, in a pig pen, looking for comfort in, in a mess as soon as you come up against a challenge. So here they are. Weren't there enough grace for us in Egypt? Why did you make us leave? Go to the next verse. Didn't we tell you to leave us alone while we were still in Egypt, while we were still slaves? Our Egyptian slavery was far better than dying out here in the wilderness. Y'all, so if you're not familiar with the story of Moses, there were plagues that God sent to the Egyptians. Multiple plagues. How many? Ten? Ten plagues. Frogs. I mean, God had fire raining down. He had uh, uh, the dark, darkness overcoming the whole, the whole uh, 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 country. Crickets. Frogs pestilence, all that stuff. And these people say, you, you need to take us back to that place where God was doing all that to them. Our Egyptian slavery was far better than dying out here in the wilderness. The question I'm, I'm going to ask each and every one of us today, are we constantly questioning where God has placed us in this season? Are we, are we constantly questioning where he's put us because we don't feel comfortable? Because we, we know we don't feel, oh, it's not comfortable. Oh, coming to this church is not comfortable. Sitting in these little, these little chairs, they're not comfortable. Are we constantly reevaluating where God has put us and where he's placed us? And I guarantee you, if you're here today, you're in the right place. Somebody say amen. You're at the right church. Come on. Yeah, you, you're here. If you join this church, if you have covenant with us, you're at the right place. This is your promised man. Come on, somebody. This is where God has you. This is the place of promise for you. Yeah, you're in the right place. But are you constantly questioning that? Well, he says, our Egyptian slave was far better than dying out here in the wilderness. Go to the next one. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Everybody say, don't be afraid. We're going to hit on that too. 
Just stand where you are and watch the Lord rescue you. Then the Egyptians that you see today will never be seen again. Now, y'all, before we go to this next verse, this is what Moses told the people. But I want you to pay attention to what God tells Moses. Go to the next one. The Lord himself will fight for you. You won't have to lift a finger in your defense. Go to the next one. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Everybody say, get moving. Y'all, we ain't got time to be stuck on the past. We got to get moving. We got to keep going. We don't have time to waste on what used to be and what could have been and what was. Y'all, the, 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 the thing is, is that we are in reality right now, and we have a great future to get to. We don't have time to be wasting on the past. See, they were, the, 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 the Israelites, they were asking the wrong questions. They were saying the wrong things. Instead of saying, can we go back to Egypt? No, we, we, they were supposed to be looking up to God and say, deliver us, God. Help me in this moment, God. Help me get to get past this so that I can get to the glorious future that you have for me. Somebody say amen. We, that's what we should be. That should be our prayers to God when we're talking to God about our obstacles. We shouldn't be thinking, oh, I, it was better back then. Or it was better how I used to have it. No, God, how are you going to get me out of this and move me in the direction that you want me to go? Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Everybody say, get moving. Everybody say, get moving. That is the answer for being stuck in a rut. Just get moving. Stop reliving your past. You cannot expect God to do better things for you in your life if you keep going back. Let's go to Hebrews 6, 1 real quick. And we're going to wrap this point up. Hebrews 6, 1. Can't expect God to do better things for you in your life if you keep going back. <laughs> so this is Paul. He's talking to believers, Christians, us. So let us stop going over the basics of Christianity again and again. Let's just stop going over the basics. Can we get past the basics? You ever been at a job and they just teach you the basics? Is that where you, do you want to stay there? If you work at McDonald's, you just want to stay on fries for the rest of your McDonald's career? No. Okay, I got the basics. I know how to put the fries in. Can I learn how to flip a patty, please? Can I learn how to fry the chicken nuggets? Can you, can you show me how you make the McGriddles, right? Let's, 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 can we get past the basics? So let us stop going over the basics of Christianity again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature. Everybody say mature in our understanding. Y'all, y'all, the only way you're going to grow in God is with this mentality. Let us become mature in our understanding. A lot of us, most of us, and I'm, I'm going to put my, throw myself in there, we're not mature in our understanding of the godly principles and how God works. Because if we were, it would be working for us. But if you still have more questions than answers, you're not mature in your understanding. So the key to that is to get with somebody that's mature in their understanding. Are they going to sound like you? No. Are they going to think just like you? No. Why? Because they are mature in their understanding. So there are going to be differences in how you and your mentor thinks. There are going to be big challenges. There are going to be big gaps of understanding of how you 
or how you think as opposed to how your mentor or pastor thinks. But you got to get with somebody that's mature in their understanding. So let us go instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start all over again with the importance of, come on, turning away from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. Y'all, Paul says that this, or, or the, the writer of Hebrews says that this right here, this is the basics. Turning away from evil deeds. What does that mean? I still, I'm a Christian, but I've been a Christian for two, three years, but I'm still struggling with drinking. I, had, I was drinking before I became a Christian, but after I became a Christian, I'm still struggling with it. Y'all, he says that's the basics. Dealing with the basics. I used to smoke weed before I became a Christian. After I'm a Christian, I'm still struggling with smoking weed. He said that's the basics. Let us get past the basics. Surely we don't need to start all over again with the importance of turning away from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. He says placing your faith in God is the basics. Some of us come in here week in, week out, and oh, we, we don't really believe God that week. But then next week, oh, yeah, we really believe God. And then next week, uh, something happens, so I don't believe God no more. Oh, and then the next week, okay, okay, I think I believe God a little bit more. Right? He said that's the basics. Let us get past the basics. Uh, 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 you can't expect God to do better things for you in your life if you keep going back to the basics. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on the hands, the resurrections of the dead, and the eternal judgment. How many churches are not actually doing this, though? are not actually preaching this. He said this is the basics. They're missing the basics. He said, look at it. The baptisms, the laying on the hands, that's the basics. We think that's super spiritual. If I can lay hands on somebody and then they, they be healed, oh, man, I'm super spiritual. No, he said that's the basics. The resurrection of the dead is the basics. Now, please, somebody raise their hand and tell me, have they ever laid hands on somebody and they was risen from the dead? I don't think anybody in here has done that. But he just said that's the basics, though, the basics of Christianity. So obviously God's standard is higher than our standard of what Christianity is. So that, that was my first point. Let's go on to the second point. So the recipe for the better things, everybody say better things. Everybody say better things. Number one, stop reliving your past. You can't get past your past, then your past is going to hold on to your future. I'm going to say that again. If you can't get past your past, then your past is going to hold on to your future. Can't get past it, you're not going to be able to move forward. Number two, stop talking about old stuff. Stop talking about old stuff. Talk about your fast forward and not your rewind. So it's not just enough to stop reliving the past in your mind, but you also got to stop talking about it too. Stop talking about the old stuff. Uh, you got to break up with your past. A lot of people, they treat their past like it's their boyfriend or their girlfriend or their husband, their wife. Oh, if I could just go back. Oh, I love my past. Oh, give me a kiss, past. Give me a kiss. <laughs> treat it like they is boyfriend, girlfriend, right? You got to break up with your past. Let's go to Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, and you can put that in the message. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. Got to stop talking about old things. Got to stop talking about your past. And a lot of us, that's all we got. You ever talk to people and all they talk about is how they used to do something or how fun something used to be? Oh, man, I, I, I can't stand talking to people that graduated from high school. 
All they got to talk about is, man, you remember when we were playing football and we went undefeated that year, man? Whoo, boy, that was crazy, boy. Whoo, oh, yeah, that was crazy. What you doing now? Oh, shoot, nothing, chilling, you know. Ain't got nothing else to talk about. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. Yeah. Is that it? This is what God says. The guy who builds a road right through the ocean, who carves a path through pounding waves. The guy who summons horses and chariots and armies. They lay down and they can't get up. They're snuffed out like so many candles. Forget about what's happened. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. Everybody say, God is about to do something brand new. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Stop going over old history. Because God's finna do something brand new. That's what the word of God says. So you got to forget it. Everybody say forget it. Say I got to forget it. Hmm. You know, continuing to talk about your past and all that stuff, it's like trying to get to drive or trying to drive to a destination in reverse. Most of us, you know, we, I would hope all of us in here drive to our destinations forward and with, the, with the car and drive, right? But when you're constantly talking about your past, and you're trying to get on to those better things, Stratton, when you, when you constantly talk about your past and you're trying to move forward, it's like driving reverse in towards your destination. Yeah. That's hard. You can't do that. It's impossible. I don't, I've never met anybody that's been able to drive reverse all the way to somewhere. It's stupid. It's unnecessary. How about I'm going to just drive the correct way so I can get to wherever I need to get to safely. Come on, somebody. So I won't bump into somebody else. So I won't cause any wrecks or, or, or any crashes. How about I do it the right way? Everybody say the right way. Well, the right way is to stop talking about your past. Let's go on to the next one. Point number three. So recipe for better things. Stop reliving your past. Stop talking about your past. And now... You got to get a clear picture of your future. Get a clear picture of your future and frame it. Get a clear picture of your future and frame it. Let's go to Philippians 3, 12 through 17. And I promise you I'm almost done. Philippians 3, 12 through 17. You got to get a clear picture of your future and frame it. And we can go into Amplified on this one. Some of us in here are so focused on the past or so focused on how things used to be that we don't have a, any type of picture of our future. We don't know what our future looks like. That's why I always try to be very mindful of when I'm talking to people, how they're talking. If they're constantly talking about their past, I'm not going to be with them. If they're constantly talking about the future, those are the people I want to be around. Even as Christians, even as believers. Even as, man, unbelievers. I mean, I, I've heard more unbelievers talk about their bright future and, and, and how they want their future to turn out more than I've heard Christians, right? That's not a, a typical language for most people, talking about the future. 
But it says in Philippians 3.12, not that I have already obtained it, and what he's talking about is he hasn't obtained the goal of being Christ-like fully or have already been made perfect, but I actively press on so that I may take hold of that perfection for which Christ Jesus took hold of me and made me his own. Go to the next verse. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I made it my own yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Next verse. I press on toward the goal. Everybody say the goal. What is the goal? To win the heavenly prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Y'all, well, go back to that, that scripture. Just look at that scripture and see how many words uh, uh, points to actually moving forward or going upward. I press. Press is one. Toward, that's two. The goal, that's three because goals are future. To win, that's four. The heavenly, heaven is up, that's five. The prize, that's six. Upward, that's seven. Call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on toward the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Y'all, if this is not your daily language, you are losing in life. You are not doing nothing in your life. This got to be your language. I press on toward the goal. Oh, I know uh, something else happened in my life, but I press on toward the goal. Oh, somebody, you know, they, they, trying to, they trying to tell me they don't like me. They trying to speak against me, but I press on toward the goal. Oh, yes, my mama, she tripping again. She out here telling me what I'm not going to be, what I'm not going to do. My daddy's out here tripping again. He telling me what I'm not going to be, what I'm not going to do, but I press on toward the goal. Oh, yeah, they, they treat me wrong again. They treat me bad. They slamming my name. They talking behind my back, but I press on on toward the goal. This has to be your language every day, despite the circumstances. That's the only way you win. Y'all, if Michael Jordan was constantly complaining about the other defenders trying to block his shot, does he win the, the title at the end of the year? No. That's their job. Their job is to go against them and compete. There's no, it's, 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 it's pointless to do that. But how many of us constantly do that? Y'all, I just want to let everybody know in here, this might be a revelation to some people in here. I just want to let you know. You have an enemy. His name is Satan. He's the devil, and he don't like you. Okay? Get over it. Get over it. Somebody say, get over it. The devil don't like you. He hates your guts. He also has demons under his power. They don't like you either. They're going to try to do whatever they can do to keep you from going where God wants you to go. But this, if this is your language, the devil can't touch you. See, I'm going to press toward the goal to win the heavenly prize no matter what the devil brings my way. I have a testimony about that a couple uh, weeks ago. So I gave, everybody know, um, you know, Pastor Gabe, and during the faith conference, I gave, you know, a $1,000 seed to the church, right? So after that, shortly after that, Everything started happening to me financially. So uh, one of my car tires bust on the way the same week. One of my car tires busted. I had just got the car back. Before that, I was driving another vehicle, and uh, that vehicle's alternator went out. I had to get it towed. That was $150. Then I had to get a new tire. That was another $150. And everybody know that I'm a college student, so, you know, college students, we don't have money like that. It's not expendable. You know what I'm saying? We working. We trying to build up to that, right? So I don't just have money just to be throwing out and, and giving to people, right? So I, I'm spending $300 on the car. Um, oh, and then uh, I had another uh, expense I had to pay for, right? Unexpected. Didn't expect it. Um, and the devil was doing it. The devil 
was messing with my money. He was attacking me in my finances because I had just sold a $1,000 seed. But what was my response to that? See, a lot of us, we would have got scared. Oh, I can't give no more. Oh, I, I, can't, I, can't give to, I can't give to the church no more. See, yeah, see, this giving stuff, this don't work. This don't work for me. I'm not, no, no, no. I kept giving. Everybody say kept, I kept giving. I kept giving. I didn't stop giving. So uh, that next Sunday, I think I gave uh, $100. The next Sunday after that, I think I gave 50 The next Sunday, I mean, I just kept giving. I kept giving. I kept on giving. Because one thing that's not going to happen to me is I'm not going to let my enemy try to intimidate me from what God has for me. I'm not going to let the devil try to uh, uh, keep me from what God has for me in my future. I'm going to keep pressing on toward the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Somebody said amen. But so many of us in here, we stop as soon as we come up against opposition. Y'all, you got to learn how to fight. You got to learn to put your heels in the ground. You got to learn how to speak to the devil and tell him, no, Mr. Devil, I don't care what you're trying to do to me. I am a child of God, and you can't stop me from going and make it to my destination. You got to stand up. Y'all, we got authority over the enemy. We got authority over the devil. We got authority over anything evil that you can think of that comes against us. God has given it to us. But you got to believe that. And you got to stand in that. So you got to get a clear picture of your future. And you got to frame it. You know, our lives are in the form of a puzzle picture. Every puzzle piece is an instruction from the Lord. The more instructions you follow, the clearer the picture becomes. See, a lot of us are looking for God to show us the clear picture at the very beginning. But the, the, the issue with that is a lot of us don't even really understand where we are in the moment. So if you can't really fully understand where you are in the moment, why should God give you a clear picture of your future? You want to know how I know a lot of people don't understand where they are in the moment? Those people that come to church biweekly. <laughs> Those people that come to church once a month. Those people that they're not, they're only under a pastor, Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. See, they don't understand what God is trying to do with them in that moment. So why should he give them a clear picture of their future? You can't understand where you are now. You're not going to be able to understand the future that God has for you. Yeah. You can't get past uh, Leroy or if you're a, a guy, Jezebel, you can't get past them. You're not going to be able to understand the future that God has for you. See, you got to get a clear picture of the instruction that God has given you in this moment. And when you follow God's instructions together like a puzzle, all those instructions like puzzle pieces, they come together and they form the picture of your future. Your future does not come to you unless you obey God in every moment of your life. Y'all, I, I just want to make it very plain and clear. Had I continued doing the stuff that I used to do, I would not be standing up here in front of you today. If I did not obey God in 2020 or 2019, I would not be standing where I am here today. That's how life works. That's how life works. If you're not following God's instructions, if you're not moving on, following his instructions, you will not be able to get to the future that God has for you. You will not be able to get those better things that God has for you. You got to follow his instructions in the moment. Take down the HD display of your past and put up the brand new picture of your future. 
And how you do that is by following the instructions of God. You might say some of you, well, I don't, I don't know what the instruction of God is. I, I, God ain't told me nothing. Well, one or two things need to happen for you. Number one, in the Bible, in, in, the, in, the, in the word of God, it says, my sheep hear my voice. Period. That's not a question. That's not a uh, point of argument. That's in the Bible. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. That's it. So if you have to discern whether or not you are God's sheep or not. If you are God's sheep, if, which means if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you accepted Jesus into your heart and you're a follower and you're a follower of Jesus, a devout follower of Jesus, then you can hear his voice. Plain and simple. Now, how God talks, we don't always like sometimes. Because he'll say it through somebody that we don't want challenging us. He'll say it through pastor one day while we sitting down listening to a sermon. He'll say it through first lady one day when she's just talking to you in passing. He'll say it to one of your brothers and sisters in Christ here. They'll say it to you. But how many times do we actually miss those instructions? And then we go back to God and say, God, why are you not talking to me? God is talking to you. You just don't like the way that he's talking. Come on, somebody. You don't like how he's speaking to you. You know, in elementary, they always talk about, uh, for teachers, they always talk about the tone. It's not about how, what you say. It's about how you say it. You know, you could say something in a very aggressive tone, you know. You could say, I'm happy. Or you can say, I'm happy, right? It's all in the tone. Well, y'all, I- I'm going to tell you, in God, tone should not matter to you. How God said the way it said, it should not matter to you. All you should be looking for is, God, what's the instruction? I don't care how you say it. You can boom it down from a loudspeaker from heaven. You can write it on the wall. You can say it through my little brother and sister. You can say it through my cousin, my auntie. All I want to know, God, is what are you telling me to do in this moment? That's all. Once you get that in your head, man, it's, it's smooth sailing. You got to obey the instruction that God is giving to you. That is how you get a clear picture of your future. Let's go to the last point, and I'm done. So we got the recipe so far. We're making the recipe of better things. We're mixing it together. We're putting it in the bowl. We're we coming up with that recipe for better things. So the first thing we got to do is stop reliving our past. Stop talking about old things. That's the next one. Get a clear picture of your future and frame it. And how we do that is by following God's instructions in every moment. And then lastly... Any bad problems, bad situations, bad people, or sin is a distraction to keep you from getting the better things from God. Lastly, y'all, my last point today is that if you want to get those better things that God has for you, you got to know any of these things that's listed on here is a distraction. So many people are stuck on a distraction. Uh, they, they, They spend so much of their time on a distraction, a waste of time, and it's keeping them from where God wants them to be. Don't be the person that fights to keep distractions in your life. It's the equivalent of looking sideways while you're trying to walk straight. Eventually, you're going to hit something that's going to hurt you, and it's going to stop you from walking forward. Yeah. Yeah, you ever seen somebody walking, but they looking this way, and they walking that way? And they just keep on walking. And then boom, they hit something. 
It's because they weren't paying attention. They wasn't looking straight ahead. They couldn't see what was coming up against them while they were walking straight. They was distracted. But how many of us at different points in our lives, or maybe even now, are spending time being distracted? Because the distractions is more appealing to us in the moment. Yeah. Because it looks better to us in the moment. Y'all, most of us know toxic people when we meet them. We do. We know toxic people for us when we meet them. We know what they do and how they are. But if they feel good to us in the moment, a lot of times we we gravitate towards those toxic people. I'm not convinced that girls in general like bad guys. I'm not. I've heard girls say that before. Not convinced of that. Girls don't really like bad guys. They don't, they feel like they're not eligible to get the right guy for them. So in order for me just to feel some level of comfort, I'm going to go ahead and accept this bad guy into my life. And then I'll go through whatever toxicity I got to go through. But at least I have that level of comfort. A distraction. A distraction in the moment that makes them feel good for the moment. But they know that that person is terrible for their future in the back of their head, in the back of their mind. So again, it's like walking straight, but looking sideways. Distracted at where you're going, and then boom, you hit something, and now you, you stop walking. Now you're hurt. Now you got to come up back, back up to the altar again on Sunday. And now, God, Pastor, please pray for me. I'm just having such a rough time. It's so hard. Because you had your eyes on a distraction, and it hurt you. Here you are back at God. God, I know I did it again. I'm so sorry. I just, I don't know what to do. Because you had your eyes on a distraction. Y'all, we just stopped doing this stuff right here. Y'all, better things, we don't have to get better things. Better things will come to us and find us and hurt us down. Come on, somebody. Man, God loves us. He cares about us. We, God is not keeping anything from us. We keeping ourselves from stuff. Come on, somebody. Y'all, I'm going to tell you, if you're not willing to do what it takes, if you're not willing to go through the seasons that you got to go through to get to your destination, then you're not going to make it. If my destination from here to this church is to, uh, what's down there? The gas station on the corner. If I'm not willing to go past Green Valley Elementary School, if I'm not willing to go past that Walgreens over there, I don't make it to the Exxon gas station on the corner. Right. But so many of us in our lives, we're not willing to go through the things that we need to go through in order to get to the destination. So we stop. So if I need gas in my car, I'm not going to get it from Walgreens. I'm not going to get it from Green Valley. I got to go to that Exxon gas station and I got to keep going until I get there so that I can get the gas. But we got it. We have to be able to move forward. Everybody say move forward. Move on to better things. Our last scripture for today, Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. Proverbs 4 and 25 through 27. And you can, you can put that in the Amplified as well. In the Amplified. <laughs> like cold water, is that 25? 20, no, 425. 425. 425. Chapter 4, verse 25. There you go. Let your eyes look directly 
ahead. Everybody say directly ahead toward the path of moral courage. Let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you toward the path of integrity. Next verse. Consider well and watch carefully the path of your feet. And all your ways will be steadfast and sure. Go to the next verse. Do not turn away to the right nor to the left. Where evil may, where everybody say evil, where evil may lurk, turn your foot from the path of evil. Y'all, it's exactly what I was saying in that example. If my eyes are focused somewhere other than where I'm walking, evil is lurking for me and it will find me. I know at different points, while we're doing that, while we focus on the distraction, nothing bad is happening to us for a little bit. Yeah. Like I said, it's comfortable for a little bit. But eventually you hit something. See, that's the trap of the enemy and that's the trap of the, of the devil. All he wants to do is to satisfy you in the moment. That's all it is. When he, when he tricked uh, uh, Adam and Eve into eating the, the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, that was a moment. A very, very small moment in their lives, right? But it changed the course of their life forever. Y'all, mistakes, even in a moment, is drastic. And it can cause your life to go into a whole nother direction that it should have never went. One mistake, one moment of distraction, one moment of keeping your eye, not putting your eye on the prize and what God had for you in your future, one moment of that, and now your life is overtaken by evil, where evil may lurk. You got to turn your foot and your path from the path of evil. You got to keep your walk on the straight and narrow. So what does that look like? What does that look like as a believer? Well, number one, you got to give your life to Christ if you don't have your, if you, if you haven't given your life to Christ, that's, I mean, that's obvious. You got to be a follower of Jesus first. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If, I'm, if he's the way, you can't get lost. If he's the truth, you cannot be deceived. And if he's the life, the devil can't kill you. You got to reconcile that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And you got to follow him. So that's the first step. You're not following him. You can forget all the stuff I just said in this message. It don't apply to you. You're not going to receive the better things from God. But then number two, once you get saved, you got to understand that there are things that accompany your salvation. And you got to be good with that. It's a lot of people that get stuck right there. They don't know that there's actually better things that accompany their salvation in Christ Jesus. So then, and once you reconcile that, then you got to understand that you have an enemy, the devil. And he's going to try to take and snatch away what God has for you. And you got to be willing... And, and knowing that it don't matter what he tried to bring my way, I'm going to fight for what God has given me. And then after that, you got to be leery of the distractions that he may bring your way, right? And then you get on and you move on to the better things. And all of that is on the foundation of love. That is the recipe for better things in God. Is that good? Come on, give a hand clap of praise for that message.